0: It's tax refund time. Don't waste your money. Switch to Straight Talk Wireless and get 25 gigs of high-speed data for 45 bucks a month on America's best networks. Plus, save 200 bucks on a Galaxy S9 with in-store activation. See terms at StraightTalk.com.
1: State of Digital Publishing is creating a new publication and community for digital publishing and media professionals in new media and technology. In this episode, we speak with Jasmine Watts, founder of Miss Millennia, about her lessons in running a publishing brand as a side gig. Let's begin.
0: Hi, Jasmine. How are you?
1: I'm great. How are you doing?
0: I'm good, thank you. Thanks for taking time to chat with with us. Just for those who aren't aware of who you are and, and about millennium magazine can you just provide a bit of a background
1: yeah of course so i'm the creator and the editor-in-chief of a publication called miss millennium magazine We're all alone. and it's for millennial women who are um career driven and on their way to doing big things in life so we like to write content from about travel and career personal development just overall motivation in general.
0: It sounds, uh, um, you know, it's a very passionate thing, and also very aspirational for others, for people who need that advice. Just for everyone, else, the audience, our audience as well. The reason why I've also brought on Jasmine is as well is because she doesn't do this as a full time gig, and um, given that it's the new year and everyone wants to kick off, take off their uh, news resolutions, I thought, um, you know, given Jasmine's uh, success with Men's Magazine, I, I, I wanted to bring her on to just give her, give you guys the opportunity and to hear how she's been able to do this as a side gig and build up Millennium Magazine. So if, if you don't mind, Jasmine, can you provide a bit of a background around how you started Millennium Magazine and the, the reason for why you've kept it as a side gig and and, and how, how has it benefited you as a side gig?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I started it a little after I graduated from college, a few months actually. My reasoning being that... I was having a hard time with finding a job and feeling like I had a, a a group of people who could resonate with how I was feeling, trying to decide on what career to pursue, where I wanted to move, and what did I wanted to go with the next stages of my life. So, I created it and I've been doing it ever since. I've been doing it for almost 7 years now, and I started it because I I thought it would be a great way to uh, bring in extra income since before I started the magazine, I was doing freelance writing and I thought, uh, there's so much more potential to make more money if I was actually the one who was doing the publishing. So that played into my role too, as far as why I decided to, um, create Miss Millennium. And as far as doing it as a side hustle, um, I've always kind of done it on the side while I was looking, I was looking for a career I majored in fashion and I decided I didn't want to do that once I graduated. So that kind of started my whole struggle with finding what I wanted to do with my life. I started pursuing a career in marketing, which I love now. And upon doing that, the magazine was always a place where I could build new skills, test out things that I learned and my jobs that I had. Also just uh, have a creative outlet for the things that I couldn't do um, and the jobs that I had. So it's always been a piece of me that, um, allowed me to be my full self in some places where I couldn't do that.
0: I think it's very important for everyone to hear that because yeah, not, like you said, that there are a lot of restrictions in, in your full-time job. And sometimes you can't express the way you can. So how, how are you currently running Miss Millennium Magazine? In terms of how how's it how's it set up? Do you have a team with Do you have a team that's running uh, that you're working with at the moment, or um, and, and in addition to the the setup as well? How's your um, revenue model set up as well to support your side income?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'd be happy to go into that. So as far as the team goes, it's myself. Um, I have two virtual assistants. And I also have two contributors. So, amongst all of us, we're responsible for writing content, replying to people who want to write guest posts for us, managing different sponsored opportunities. I write some of those as well as my contributors, and also doing freelance writing. So, as far as our revenue model goes, our main source of income comes from um, sponsored posts. So, working with different brands to write uh, content. That includes their brand in it. Um, And then our second biggest source of income is um, advertising. So um, having just different uh, banner ads, as well as people who are interested in writing um, their own guest posts, writing their own sponsor posts for um, the website. Um, And lastly, our um, affiliates. So, yeah. That's pretty much our, our business model currently.
0: And how did you come up to the point of setting up your business model? Did was it, did you know from the start, or was it just like you said in other instances where you tested things and eventually came to that point?
1: Honestly, I had no idea how people did it, with how to make people make money when I first started Miss um, Millennia Magazine. I <laughs> I figured it was all through advertising, which I think a lot of people make that assumption. Advertising is like the probably one of the smallest uh, places where we make. Our income, a lot of it. I guess if you count sponsored posts as advertising, then yes, uh, advertising is the biggest one. Um, I just didn't know about what they were or how to get them, and now we get to a point where we're consistently doing sponsor posts on a regular basis. It's just writing content that you would normally write and seeing if a brand fits in with the message that you're already giving to your audience. So I found that very interesting. That um, that that's even a model out there that exists and it's a, it's a good one for us as far as bringing in uh, regular income.
0: Do you mind if I ask, if I can, do you mind if I ask, is that how big of that, how about big of an income is it? Is it something that helps you um, with your overall life in terms of your overall income or is it how, how big of a part does that play?
1: Like? Uh, it ranges, honestly, we'll make anywhere from 2,500 a month to, um, $7,000 a month and it really depends on the season and how much effort we're putting in as far as like taking different sponsored opportunities and it gets harder too the more that you establish your message and you know what you'll stand for or what you won't so that means like looking for bigger deals and long-term partnerships as opposed to one-off sponsorships here and there if that makes sense.
0: No, I understand that. So, do you? How, how do you manage building up partnerships and building up the traffic of your website? You know, after after hours, like how do you go about? How, how do you go about setting everything up and and trying to go out for those bigger deals?
1: Okay, so the traffic side is one part of it, <laughs> and then the other side is actually finding the big deals. So, I actually attended this conference because we talk about finance a lot too on the magazine. I don't know if I mentioned that in the beginning, but. I attended a conference this year called FinCon, and it's pretty much a conference for finance professionals or finance content. So there's a lot of bloggers and podcasters and freelance writers, a lot of people all around finance and money. And I just, just, it's a great conference, but it's also a huge community where I've made so many connections with people and. I've just been offered so many opportunities to do long-term um, partnerships with different brands. So just from that, I've established a partnership with um, Uber, Airbnb, amongst some others, just from being a part of that community. Um, so networking does play a huge role in um, finding the long-term partnerships with different, different brands. As far as just sponsorships and and knowing like who's looking, what brands are looking for um, contributors, I use different media companies like Activate or Blog Leaven. Activate by Blog Leaven, um, is one that I enjoy a lot. Uh, Izea is another company that I go to for different um, sponsorship opportunities. It's just a, it's a, a variety of, of networking and just looking out for brands. You know, are, are looking for writers. And that, that makes, I'm, I'm sure. How, I'm sure that also takes a lot of time. I know that, the net, that networking played
0: a big role. But how much of, how much time of your day would that would all this take usually after hours?
1: Oh man, I try to dedicate anywhere from two to four hours a day on magazine work before I go to work or. On top of me working a full day, so I'll typically work for a couple of hours before work, and I'll work for a couple of hours um, after dinner in the evening as well. So it does; it ranges between. I definitely get in two hours. Sometimes um, I won't get all the way to four, but I, I get a, a good little chunk of time in a day with magazine work.
0: No, that's that's good. That's good to hear. Um, that you can fit that in as well. Um, I know it's not easy with with the team as well are they all working at the same time or how how is the team set up in, in terms of collaborating and communicating with you and 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 obviously you're you're steering the editorial calendar so how do you make sure that all that happens on time and on schedule
1: oh man good question so as far as the team goes we're all over the world <laughs> i have a contributor in canada another one in ireland and then my two vas are both in the philippines So we all talk with each other with a chat tool called Glip. And that's pretty much how we decide on what the contributors are writing. They work with one another to uh, look over each other's work before they publish. And then they put it into pending and I edit that, their work, the final final project. And then as far as the day-to-day stuff, that's where my VAs come in with creating different Pinterest images, or just managing our social media on a day-to-day basis, replying to emails. And they work, they pretty much work around the same time as I do. I know that one of my VA, she starts at 6 a.m. Central Standard Time, and she usually ends around 3 or 4. And my other, she starts at 3 a.m. when I'm still sleeping, and she works until about 10 a.m. So everyone's time is, for the most part, we have some overlap. Uh, typically in, in the wee hours of the morning, but for the we're just chatting with each other throughout the day. Sometimes I'll reply to messages in the evening because I know that you know that's probably when one of my contributors are working. But yeah, we pretty much work when we're available.
0: I find I hear sometimes that it's difficult um, in trying to manage um, remote teams because of the time difference, and sometimes they might not prioritize. This work of no prioritize this work less of other things. So, how do you make sure that they keep on top of things whilst they're trying to do their own thing on the side, on the side as well, or while they're trying to do their own thing as well?
1: Oh, so we actually use another tool for that called um, Asana, and it has all of our daily things that we do, as far as um, the content creation and day to day tasks, and it's just a running checklist that's always being done. I usually give that a look first thing in the morning just to see, you know, where we are, what got what was completed the day before and what are the things that are coming up for that that day and if there's anything that I'm confused about or I don't know understand, you know, what a certain project is that someone's working on, then I can just jump into glip and say, "Hey, what's this?" and what why are you working on this or just kind of going from there. It's interesting how technology really makes it easy <laughs> i have a va who's in the philippines and i see her every single day we talk to each other on skype uh first thing in the morning to ask me questions and tell me how our day was and i do all that before i go to my full-time job so i see her just as often as i see people who um, i see on a daily basis so it's interesting
0: that's nice um and yeah i guess it seems from how you, it seems that like everyone's pretty much everyone is dedicated and they're they're passionate about working for the magazine as well. So I, I guess that makes a big difference as well. Like you have you, where you did you end up like trying to find? Did you find these people individually or did they come to you? Or How did you find your team or how did you build up your team?
1: Yeah, that's um, <laughs> it's a funny story. My VA that I have now, I've known her for two years. Yeah, and pretty much what happened, I had another job that I worked at before the one I'm at now. And I ended up getting laid off from that job. During that job, she was my um, VA there. And right before I was laid off, it was my job to lay her off. So she didn't have a place to work. So once I um, I was laid off from that position, I actually did magazine work full time yeah. and um, decided to start working again just because I, I'm so much better at um, just prioritizing my responsibilities when I have other responsibilities. But I ended up hiring her uh, full time to work for the magazine and uh, we've been getting along ever since. We, I actually found her from a virtual staff finder and we just have such a great uh, we get along like personality wise so well and she's a very passionate person and I just want to work with her again that I liked her so much. So that's how I found her. My other VA, I found just uh, going on Upwork. And one of my contributors is my cousin who lives in Ireland. We get people who email us uh, regularly about uh, becoming a contributor for the magazine. And I typically interview them and go through that process. So, yeah, um, I find people here and there. (laughs) But I, something I can admit that we do all have pretty deep connections, and we do like to talk about uh, what everyone is passionate about, and how can this experience benefit them in the long run, so that they do want to come in to work and they do want to feel good about what they're doing every single day.
0: With I guess I guess especially with the VAs and those top, um, you know, the VAs uh, they mostly would probably focus on admin stuff and. It's good that you have, that you always speak with your VAs every day and and chat with them of a call. Um, but how do you think other people should, if they don't have that possibility or potentially um, they haven't done before? Why do you think it's important to be able to regularly connect with with your team on an ongoing basis?
1: Oh man, I think it's important because it's it's good to understand people's what motivates them. Just at the end of the day, I've, I've had a lot of, um, in, I ha- I used to have interns uh, for the magazine and I've had a lot of contributors who I've written lots of recommendations for <laughs> over the years. But something I have found is I'll have, you know, a contributor and she's doing a great job for me. And then one day she just leaves. She's like, you know, I don't like it anymore and I'm going to go. And you know, after you know seeing people leave, and I have no clue—I didn't see it coming at all. It just shows how little I was involved in their lives, and there could have been things I could have changed that would have made them stay longer or made the experience more enjoyable for, the, for them. So I always make a point now to kind of build those connections and understand what people are going through in their lives and what would make them enjoy the work they're doing um, more than they are today. At the end of the day, my goal is to make sure that people take something from this. Obviously, I'll pay them, but it's there's more to the, to a career you enjoy than how much you get paid. It's about growing as a person and being able to add some experience under your belt that is going to help propel you to whatever your your big goals are. So I like to have those conversations with people and make sure that they are growing. And if they're not, then that's my job to figure out, okay, how can I challenge you? How can I make this something where you're like, oh, wow, I like this new process or I want to give my two cents and see how I can make this better. So I make that a big part of just being a part of the team at Miss Mill.
0: Is that something that you put into the terms of terms and contract or i mean, upwork is a bit different because you're not you're not obligated to do that but is there something is that something you say verbally to them or is that something you put into the terms of the agreement when you decide to work with them or when you decide to work with each other
1: um i usually talk i like to have a good conversation on the phone with people before they even contribute just to give them an idea of like what's expected of them uh, what the culture is like what my my goals are i i want to have an environment where everybody feels open and that they can be honest and say how they feel about a certain process. And that way I can grow too. I'm huge on growth. And I like to get that feedback from my team if they're doing a process like Jasmine, sorry, like this just makes no sense. (laughs) I don't think this is important for us to do this. And I want to hear those perspectives from people. And that's something I find like working for yourself, it's hard to get that feedback, and probably another reason why I like to I like having a job because you can get that from your managers and your colleagues. But it's difficult when you're at the top, and people can be hesitant to give you the advice that you want. So yeah,
0: that, no, that's a um, good point, and you, you made which leads me to you. Know, you know how you mentioned earlier about you looking using the magazine as a way to explore new ways of doing things and experimenting. Can you provide some examples of how you've done that in the past or if you're doing anything currently which is helping you with, with your full-time job?
1: Yeah. So it's funny. Um, I to- I mentioned that when I graduated from college, I got my degree in fashion, but now I am in a career in marketing. <laughs> I took some marketing classes in college, but not enough to say that I could pursue a career in it. And the magazine was a big, a big win for me in that regard, just being able to learn different skills that I realized were marketing skills. I didn't know that at the time that that's what I was learning. So when I first created my site, I didn't know anything about coding, I didn't know about, I guess, social media marketing or any type of digital marketing whatsoever, outside of posting my new blog posts I did for freelance writing on Twitter. And I had to learn basic HTML code. I had to learn what WordPress was. And then I had to learn how to get people to my blog without spending any money because I didn't have any money at the time. So from just doing all of those things, I realized that there were terms for all of these things. There's SEO and there's SMM and all these other things that you need to know to be successful with blogging. And when I got my first, my first, I call it my first big girl job out of college, it was um, as a social media manager. And I pretty much went to the job with my only experience that I had with social media Um, marketing was through my blog. So I always say like, when I first started the site, it just opened so many doors for me that i didn't even have a chance at at having before it because i had all these new found skills i just had to recognize that i had those skills and know to put those on my resume
0: are there any specific projects that you're doing recently that you've done recently or you're doing at the moment which is helping you upskill or or you using the magazine to test out things and your day-to-day job from your day-to-day job
1: Oh, that's a great question. Yeah, I actually do. So currently I work for a company that does Facebook um, strategy marketing, Facebook ads marketing. And the during my training, my training was three weeks. During the entire time of my training, I was working on my ads for the magazine. Like, oh, I'll just tweak this ad with this new thing that I learned. And I'll tweak this little ad and I'll change this little thing. And I just learned so many things that I didn't even know existed in regards to just doing Facebook advertising. And along the way, I managed to to run an ad that's actually making me money now for for the magazine. But I realized I had an edge on a lot of my colleagues because I was in this tool before. I've used it before, and I continue to use it. So it was very, I guess, easier, a lot easier for me to be able to apply what I knew from work to um, something that meant something to me. I would come back to work like, oh yeah, I also realized that I can connect this with that and this thing works. Um, so yeah, to this day, I'm still um, taking things from the magazine and applying it to my, my job. And it's beautiful. I love it.
0: That's, that's really awesome for you. So I just want to be very, very specific. So with the Facebook ads that you, you've learned how to do and be able to start getting money from, was that what kind of campaign was that that you're, you're running now?
1: Um, so I'm running a... I'm running, it's, just a, it's a traffic ad for a freebie that I give away. So it's a uh, it's like a Google Excel sheet that makes it easy for you to track your day-to-day when you're doing surveys online. And that was one of my hustles when I was in college is I did surveys to make a few hundred bucks a month um, because I didn't want to get a job while I was um, in school. So I had this list that I put together that so that it makes it easy for you to track day-to-day What surveys did I do today? How much money did I possibly make so that you can kind of tally that up and get an idea of do I need to do more surveys so I can make more money and kind of go from there. So the cool thing about this is I give that away for free for people to sign up for my my email list. And I have a page within this document that is just filled with different legitimate survey sites that I used um, when I was doing this before. And they're all affiliate links. So anytime someone goes through and they start signing up for those survey sites, I get paid a, a small portion of that. That's cool. That's
0: cool. So you've been able to essentially use that. So people have then gone and signed up to those um survey sites and from as a result of the ads that you're driving traffic to for that street, you're getting you're now getting revenue. So you're you're getting back money from the ads that you're spending on.
1: Exactly. Yep. I'm making more than what I'm spending for the ads. And that doesn't include the um, revenue I'm making from any money I make from my email list. That's fair. That's just from the freebie. That's,
0: that's a nice win. So that's a, that's a very nice win.
1: Yeah.
0: I guess, you know, with, with side gigs and, and trends, have you noticed, like, have you noticed any other colleagues or anyone else in your, who who is in a similar boat as you, who's doing a side, publishing as a side gig? And what have you noticed in general about other people doing side gigs in our, in our industry?
1: Mm, who have like side hustles right now, Um, I guess something I've noticed is that, well, I've noticed two things. One, there are some people who are really good at it and they have become so efficient with their time that they're just, they're all business when it comes to managing their side hustle. And the other side of that is I've noticed there are people who have a side hustle, but they don't nurture it enough. And I think that can be a very difficult part of having a side hustle on top of a day job because it's really easy for you to just say, oh, it's not that important. Um, it's not my day job. It's not my job. is bringing in most of my income, so it's not something that I need to work on today. It's so easy to just to say that, and I'm I'm guilty um, of being in that position like, oh, I don't need to do this today. It's not that important. But it's...
0: You need to make sure that... How do you make sure that now with the with the magazine? How do you make sure that you are not it enough?
1: Um, well, now the reality is like I love the magazine, and it's not something that I have to do. It's something I get to do, and I, that's always been my mentality with it. I'm super positive right now because I just got over having the flu. <laughs> And, um, this last week I did not get a chance to work on the magazine. Like I wanted to, like every day I thought about it and I really wanted to. And I was just so exhausted. I was coming home from work and passing out and then waking up and coming home from work and just passing out, just trying to recover and get better. So I did not get the opportunity to work on it. Like I wanted to. So now I'm just in overdrive. Like, yes, I get to do this and I get to do this. I'm so excited about when this thing is going to be finished. And, you know, If you have a side hustle where you feel that way, where you're like, oh, now I got to do this, it's the wrong thing. You're doing something that you're not passionate about, and that defeats the purpose of having a side hustle. To me, a side hustle is not having a part-time job. It's not something you do because you need the extra money. It's something you do because it's something you can be good at, and it's something that you can enjoy, and it brings out another side of yourself that you don't necessarily have or get to, get to utilize during the day. So just... Being able to maintain that passion and remembering that this is something you enjoy and you need to make time for the things you enjoy is pretty important.
0: So on the flip side, how how have you seen the other professionals who are, um, like, like you said in your words, who are on business when they are running this high gig, how do you see them leveraging their publication professionally and just in terms of earning their earning potential and reaching Yeah.
1: One of my favorite stories to tell is um, a blogger named um, Rosemarie Groner. Uh, she has a blog called The Busy Budgeter. I got a chance to uh, work with her briefly at a conference I went to last year called Activate. And she gave me some really good advice on managing my site. But I'm so impressed with how efficient she got with just managing her blog. She, well, First of all, she makes about $100,000 a month. Um, with her blog. So she's already a superstar. And she wrote um, a, a course about how she managed to get there spending 10 hours a week doing it. So she spent that time like measuring what's most important for me to do. What's my ROI of this task? What's my ROI of that task? And even though she was probably really efficient already, she just whittled that time down more and more to see how can I make more money with less time? Like that was her motive um, the entire time. And she did this with a full-time job. She managed to get to a point where she's making $100,000 a month with a full-time gig. So um, just a shout-out to Rose Marie. Like she, I I am a diehard fan. I've taken like all her courses. And she consistently stays a motivation, a motivator for me, of where you can be.
0: So what was, what just for our audience who haven't, access the course and hopefully if they listen to this they will what are some of the key things that she focuses on then in terms of trying to really get the roi and get the most out of the time
1: um she focuses on the money making tasks i think that like as a blogger it's so easy to fixate on things that aren't important like how many page views do you have And, oh, I'm going to do this special little gig here that's going to make me $20. When the reality is, like, I shouldn't even be looking at gigs that only pay me $20. I need to look at gigs that are going to pay me what I'm worth. So just really focusing on how long it takes you to do a specific task. Because if you're not getting to a point where you're making $100,000 a month, there's a high possibility that you're focusing on things that aren't that important. They're not driving your bottom line. So I think that's probably the biggest
0: thing. Yeah, I think that's pretty clear, and she, and I'm and I'm assuming she's also being able to balance that with reaching her audience's objectives, and uh, you know, trying to reach her audience's needs as well. So if she's being able to do both, then I'm, I guess yeah, she's definitely doing the right thing. So. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your What are your focus points at, the, at the, currently? Like, what are you What are your ROI bottom line things that you're, you 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 want to you are focusing on at the moment?
1: So, my big things. I am actually taking the um, Elite Blog Academy course, and I am almost finished with them. I am so close to the end; I can see the light at the tunnel. It's a, It's a pretty long course. A lot of people it takes them a year to finish it. It took me a little. It's going to take me a little bit longer than that just because um, the end of the year was crazy for me. But I'm at a point now where I am working on creating my first course, which is going to be a big bottom line thing for me, as well as working on different newsletter launches I'm going to do for my newsletter. So those long term partnerships, I was talking about doing actual launches with them where I write a, a list of blog posts. And um, emails just to let my audience know about a specific brand and how it works for them and the benefits of uh, working with them. So those are my big, my big items there.
0: And what's what's your timeline and goals around uh, around doing it, um, getting them done?
1: Uh, the soft launch of my course is supposed to be finished by the end of this month. And um, funny enough, it's about the same topic about choosing a side hustle and pursuing it which is something I'm very excited about. Uh, It took me a long time to decide on what my course should be about. And after doing some soul searching, I realized this is my topic. I've been doing side hustles since... Man, for as long as I can remember, I was selling, creating and selling purses in high school. Like I said, I was doing surveys in um, college and freelance writing, going up to doing the blog posting and doing research on real estate investing. Like I love everything about having another um, stream of income that you don't necessarily have to work hour for hour to get. So that's pretty much what my course is going to be about, about doing soul searching to figure out a side hustle that you're passionate about and eventually turning it into something where if you wanted to, if you wanted that option, you could do it full time.
0: I'm sure it's, yeah. I only wish the utmost success for it. And, and I'm sure a lot of people will get a value out of it um, from the course. So uh, I look forward to receiving your update saying that you've you finished at the end of this month. Um just with as well no no i'll I'll be excited to hear from you as well so um just want to take a step back a bit um we didn't speak about this earlier but i wanted to just delve a bit more into why you didn't decide to pursue this full-time like 7k a month isn't too bad like i'm assuming you can you can live out you can live from that and then if you have the option of working on this full-time you could potentially expand your income to be able to make a sustainable I know you mentioned that the some of the main thing for you was that you, you, you feel like because you aren't at the top, you'll be limited as to what you'll learn and grow. If we can delve into deeper why you decided to continue this as a side hustle.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a few reasons. <laughs> me pursuing it full time was a big it was a big um moment for me and I was really excited about being able to do it full time. But something shifted. After I started working on the magazine for a few months full time, the first thing was this thing that I love so much and I'm passionate about and I make decisions based on what's best for the growth of the magazine. My mindset kind of shifted because then I started focusing more on, okay, how can I make this amount of money? today. (laughs) like This is my livelihood. Now I have to make sure that we're bringing in the right amount of income. And I noticed that I got to a shift where I was making decisions based on how can we make the most income as opposed to how can we make this a great publication for our audience. And sometimes I feel like those things can work hand in hand together. But in my case, it wasn't. (laughs) I was making decisions that I knew good and well was not the best decision for the magazine. So that was the first part. The second part was just getting good health insurance. I don't want to be like political here, but the, the whole scope of where we are as uh, in America with health insurance is a scary thing, especially if you're self-employed. And I did a lot of research about benefits and different health insurance. And after speaking to a few professionals in the field, again, at FinCon, <laughs> I learned that you just don't have as many options for great health insurance being self-employed as you would working for um, a company. So just getting better benefits in general was another reason why uh, I wanted to uh, pursue a full-time job.
0: What, what decided them to – sorry, the colleagues that you spoke with, are they full-time as well? Are they, are they, are they um, working a full-time job as well or are they um, working on their publication full-time?
1: Oh, you're talking about for people I spoke with about, about health insurance and stuff? So they worked full time, but they work for different industries. Um, for example, I talked to someone who worked for a company called Policy Genius, and we had a full panel discussion about health insurance and what that meant for um, younger people and um, just as you get to different phases in your life, like what health insurance looks like. And I, I talked to him like, can you tell me if this is true or not? Because it's something that I've kind of come across. Regardless of if I spent the top amount you could spend for health insurance <laughs> as a self-employed person, it just doesn't seem like that great of a plan compared to what I used to have when I worked for X company. And he confirmed that that was true. Like there's just some um, health plans that don't exist for people who are self-employed. And you pay top. You can pay top dollar for it, but it's still not the best. It's not as good quality as far as what you get out of it. And we, you just don't have the option to even access those um, companies. The only thing I I could possibly do is if I got to a point where I had enough people under me, and sign up for health insurance as a company plan. But even so, it's going to be super expensive and need to be distributed amongst enough people to make it make sense for me
0: financially. Would you ever consider going back to doing this full-time, the Millennium Magazine, I mean?
1: Yeah, I would consider it, definitely. And I think a lot of that will play on where I was, (laughs) where I was and, you know, what the future of uh, healthcare is in in the U.S. But, yeah, right now that's a huge driving factor for me in regards to – working a job on, on top of doing the magazine on the side.
0: Is that, is that, a, I know healthcare is not a short term or long term, it's a long term change or something that's going to happen potentially. But is there any, other, do you have anything in the back of the mind saying that you want to go back into full time doing this full time soon? Or are you just happy where you are at the moment?
1: You know, I am pretty happy where I am at the moment. I still like the idea of trying other um, projects like getting another side hustle going. So if anything if anything is driving me to wanting to do it full-time, it's the possibility of trying different um, ventures. I really want to get more into real estate investing and the whole side of things. So yeah, if it meant that I need more time in the day so I can manage more than one hustle, then I would consider doing more of it full-time.
0: So that that makes sense. Um, just to as as a final note, what career advice and progression advice do you can you provide a um to people like your audience and be people who want to do side hustle um publishing as a side hustle? What kind of career progression advice can you provide them?
1: It's honestly things have changed so much from when I first started Miss Mill seven years ago, and there's just so many resources out there. I'm I'm taking a course called, like I said, the Elite Blog Academy where, I mean, they tell you from the very beginning what you need to do to the point where they're telling you how to create a course and make income from that and, you know, making a strategy. There's just so many resources. If you are open to learning and searching for those resources, then you're going to go far for sure as far as being able to start a side hustle, especially um, creating a blog and staying consistent with it and keeping up with it. At the end of the day, uh, just make sure you're doing something you're passionate about, not something you're doing because you heard you can make a lot of money doing it because that's an easy way to to fail at um, at a side hustle. But yeah, that's my advice. Like, um, Take the shortcut. Don't try to go the long way and figure everything out on your own, which is a big mistake I made initially. But in my defense, there weren't as many resources. <laughs> Even though I was searching there were still uh, guys like pat flynn and the smart passive income blog around which i loved that was one i follow a lot but not a lot that were more so geared towards just creating a blog to talk about what you're passionate about
0: there's another an over- abundance of that for sure today there's a there's a over- there's a lot of information it's about deciding what's going to be best suited for you and what's actually true so how do you find that how do you know what's true or not like even for people who don't have any idea about this how do you def- define the source of truth for you now in terms of your learning and growth?
1: Oh, man. I find that truth, as far as like what I'm passionate about, or the truth as in what's actually good information.
0: Good information, yeah.
1: Got it. Good information. So the way I figure that out, I'm a part of a lot of different blogger groups on Facebook. (laughs) And if there's something going on, like something big, like I just check my groups out, like, all right, let's see how legit this is, because if this is really happening, if this is really a true thing, then people will be talking about it. So that's more so like in regards to news or things like that. But if I really want to know, I just ask other bloggers. I said use your resources. There's so many blogger groups out there. I just plug in and say, hey, what do you guys know about this thing? And as far as like just the blogging industry in general, everyone is so friendly and just so forthgiving with information. And you'll find that you'll start getting the same answers over and over. Like, yep, this is what I do. Or this is what the real answer is. Or here's a good resource you can check out. And if you have a pool of knowledge just like, like that, man, just dive in, dive right in and take their advice. And the power of numbers, for sure. If several people are saying that this thing is true and Google says it's true, then um, yeah, I would start to stress that it, it's it's good information.
0: Definitely. I've, I've been hearing more about groups coming back into the scene and the importance of groups. And um, I guess for newbies as well, is it easy for them to join? Like, I know there's some groups which have criteria for them to join some sort of credibility or stuff like that. how easy is it for newbies to join these type of groups?
1: Man, um yeah, it's it's really easy. Uh some of them are a little bit more difficult to join. Um but there's so many um many like just beginner if you're not sure if you will be accepted into a blogging group, um I would just look for beginner blogs um as a search term on Facebook to find a groups. Because there's, I feel like there's way more beginner blog groups than there are like advanced advanced blogger groups, and there's a lot of advanced blogger groups. But yeah, I think it's pretty easy to join. You just go ahead and knock on the door and said I would like to join, and they'll let you know if you get in or not.
0: Hopefully, they knock on the door, take your course, and then they're on their way to do the, this hard hustle. So. Uh, Exactly. Desmond, thanks thanks for your time. And I really appreciate your insights around this, about how you put your side hustle. So thank you again. Yeah,
1: no problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the State of Digital Publishing podcast. Listen to past and upcoming episodes across all major podcast networks. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and join our community groups. Finally, visit stateofdigitalpublishing.com for premium information, resources, and become a member today. Until next time. Wherever you go, however you go, for energy on the go, it's got to be five-hour energy. It works fast, it works long, it tastes good,
0: and with zero sugar and four calories, there's nothing holding you back. Fits your pocket, fits your backpack, fits your on the go life, whether you're going to work, going on vacation, or just going out with friends. 5-Hour Energy, energy on the go. For more information, visit fivehourenergy.com. 5-Hour Tea, with caffeine from green tea leaves.